Hi, welcome to the Book Talks podcast. It's a podcast where we interview traditionally and self-published authors. What's their story about? What inspired them? What tips and advices they can give to aspiring writers and authors as well? This episode is the second time that we will be talking to this author with her second book. Her name is Daisy Snow. And at the end of this interview, I would highly encourage potential book buyers and listeners of this podcast to grab a copy of this second book entitled Euthanasia Rebutted, No Right to Life in Australia by Daisy Snow. The title of the book is already controversial to say the least. Now, without any further ado, let's welcome on the podcast, Miss Daisy Snow. Daisy? Yes, hello, I'm Daisy, yes. How's your day going so far, Daisy? Oh, very good, thank you. So the last time we talked was on the 28th episode of the Book Talks podcast. Uh, title of that, Matriarch and World War Three. That's the title of the book, A 9-11 Incursion by Daisy Snow. Kindly right. refresh everyone what that book is about. Oh, that was uh, Matriarch and World War Three, A 9-11 Incursion internal state terrorism in Australia. Uh, I was told, I uh, went to, I was going to university at the present time, that time, and, and there, we had these nightly demonstrations for about six years, and I wrote the song Scrooge McDuck and Civil War. Uh, that was for my, because it's to protest about the family court. And so I used to help them out by beginning the protest with my song, Scrooge McDuck and Civil War, which proves to be right, you know. Um, and because I was uh, so famous about that, and I was on television, you know, with it and that, that um, I was invited to one of the top uh, Nike meetings. And that was where I, we were told that something big was going to happen. That was on the day that they were having the next protest. Now, the thing is that in the 1970s, um, I went to Griffith University in Queensland and we had like six years of protest against the Vietnam War. And I went to the last um, meeting, union meeting, and it was the international socialist who told us then that another war could not begin until something big happened. Uh, and that was the words you know, that we used. And so it was because of this something big, I was aware that... Um, uh, well, what, what's now called 9-11. At that time, it used to be called S-11. Uh, and the details don't really matter. It was just this something big. And that was because uh, there'd been six years of protests against conscription. And the thing is that we were told uh, if the government brings in cons conscription, conscription again, uh, that we'd have to come out of our corners and nor come back to university and organise small protests, you know, which we all agreed to do. So that when we were told something big happened, well, then we were aware that, you know, this was something big was going to be major. Uh -huh. And since the last time that we talked, um, it piqued my interest regarding that interview, regarding that book, Matriarch and World War Three. You did discuss uh, a particular topic about UFOs and recently um, US military forces have actually confirmed uh, that there is 
uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. It was a Pentagon Senate uh, query that has been publicized um, and televised. And uh, can you discuss further regarding that? Yes. Uh, yeah. Now, you know, what I what I did, I explained. I had a first encounter with, uh, with the UFO alien that I called it, uh, and this happened. Uh, it was just at the time when the Americans were, um, when their astronaut was actually going around the moon before the landing on the moon. That was in 1960, no, 20th before the 20th of July, 1969. That was in the um, Northern Territory, and what happened was this, this big orange globe came down close. You know, uh, it was in the sky, and there were people pointing up, pointing up to it and saying, "Oh, you know, that was the astronaut." And I remember the actual words I thought in my head at the time uh, that I uh, was oh, silly idiots. Um, birds fly at that height. Uh, you know, the moon's not so close. Now, what happened was that this woman which I called it, appeared on the footpath. Now, the people in Tennant Creek thought I had a university education, which at that time I hadn't. And uh, and, and she, this woman wanted a lift to Alice Springs, and my husband was going to Alice Springs that night. So they sent her home to me. Now, um, her description, uh, like a face, was really like a spray a spray paint job, you know, no marks on it. In talking to her, there was always a hesitation before she spoke. She always spoke perfectly. And her message, and the, that description is exactly the same as anyone else who has had a first encounter, you know, with these aliens. They were called its in the, in the olden days. That's why I called her it in my book. Now, her message to me was to get an education, which I did. Um, I, 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 I studied for 10 years in secret societies, went back to school after my children were born, studied at university for well over 10 years, got four qualifications, including a master's. So, you know, I actually um, did what she told me to do. That was her message. Now, when my husband took her to, to Alice, um, around to the other side, opened the door, put her hands around her waist, and he, what he did was uh, he very threw her out with support and went away very quickly. He told me that she was harder than steel, or it was harder than mm -hmm. steel. Now, later on, years later, when I went to these UFO organisations in Melbourne, we were told that the um, people, the Russians tried to dissect one of these aliens and found it was harder than steel, which was exactly the same as you know what my uh, husband had told me. Um, now, the point is that like, when, I, when I went to university, I didn't go to university to get a job. I went to university because to, to um, see what was going on in the world. You know, I had a different point of view. Uh, so I, I am well aware of what is happening in the world, uh, and and the thing was that when we were we were told you know about something big was going to happen on that day, which which happened uh, in Australia and probably other parts of the world, um, that the misinformation there was a lot of misinformation. So 
so uh, what I used to do every I would write articles about it, and uh, and then but I wasn't game to publish anything or do anything with it because you know it was uh, very very dangerous. You know, in those days I kept away from the internet um, for about fourteen years, and then when Donald Trump uh, became president in America, I felt I would be able to put all my articles together, and I wrote wrote the book that's how I put my book together so um so so this in effect took me a number of years to write but only in like in bits and pieces and 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 I also wrote this from a metaphysical perspective uh the metaphysical perspective is the perspective or the point of view when you study in secret societies um which I did um, and this is why I can explain, like even my euthanasia, uh, because this is a perspective that uh, people uh, used in the olden days, but today uh, the perspective is logic and the secular uh, perspective, which uh, doesn't explain anything. You know, in logic, one thing comes after another, but but in the um, metaphysical perspective. It, it's like looking at this at yourself, who we are, why are we on the earth plane. Uh, we're we're looking at more intimate things than just just logic, uh, because I mean a holy war um, can't be explained in logical terms. I mean it doesn't make sense. It's only in metaphysical terms that you know it can be understood. So that I'm uh, that is why I was able to write. You know, my book, Matriarch and World War Three. Now, what I'm saying is that World War Three is a collection of civil wars all around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, um, and I spoke about a one-world go- government, which is an a, administrative and fascist one-world government. That is what the One World Order is trying to uh, trying to establish. Now, the point is that. Um, just uh, Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, when they invaded uh, Ukraine on the 24th of uh, February this year, uh, in his explanation as to why they invaded, um, he um, he referred to genocide, which is euthanasia, and genocide being in all Western countries. And he, he spoke about the Russians were organising now, the thing is that I'm in agreement with him because I did explain in my book um, these things. But after uh, World War II, uh, the Nazis changed their strategies to peaceful strategies uh, because of the military strategies don't work. They can't take over the whole world um, using military strategies. Now, the thing is, an- another point is that Vladimir Putin said he was a backer. I mean, a backer for like people with euthanasia. Um, but also the question is, who was the backer for Hitler in World War II? Now, I explained in my book, uh, even then, that um, I have had in my hands uh, one of Hitler's administration books. Uh, and mm-hmm. there was a picture How did you got that Hitler book? At, Oh, well, How did you get hold, hold of that book? Uh, yeah, well, so one of the boys that um, used to live, when we went to Melbourne 
and my son was a friend of my son's. The man next door gave him the book. He said they were getting on to him, and um, and he gave him the book, and he just disappeared. Um, mm-hmm. um, in the book, there were, were original pictures. Some of them were missing. And, uh, and anyway, one, one day I went to my son's place where they were, they were living in this same house. There's no one there, and I saw the book was under the bed, so I went and had a look at it. I mean, I wished I had pinched it, but I'm, I'm not a thief, so I never, never pinched it. Somebody else mm-hmm. did after that. But, you know, I've actually seen this as well as other people. Now, besides that, as I explained in my book, like when I used to sing out Scrooge McDuckin's Civil War uh, outside the family court, but um, I was actually lassoed into to the um, neo-Nazi club in Melbourne. And because of that, I was able to speak to the, the leader. His name was uh, John Abbott. He's actually gone, went, eventually went to Queensland. He'd probably be dead by now, but uh, I can mention his name. And because of that, I was able to talk at length to him you know, about the neo-Nazis. And the thing was that he was a staunch Roman Catholic and he mm-hmm. got his directives from the Pope. So that when, um, when Vladimir Putin said, and I quite agree, that the Nazis have uh, power in Western countries, and I had a, a already observed that a lot of these uh, changes they're making in laws, you know, they're bringing in fascist laws. Whereas, uh, I mean, we fought World War Two so that we didn't have to become like a fascist country. And these are administrative. And I've, I've got a master's in policy and administration. So, you know, I can say this, that um, what, what they're doing, what the administration is doing is they're changing our laws to fascist laws. And, uh, and so that when Vladimir Putin said the Nazis have power in Western countries, mm-hmm. well, I have to agree because that's exactly what I said. Can you um, defend that though? I mean, what what makes you say that our laws is being designed by is being uh, programmed or designed into being a fascist laws? Yeah, there's quite a number of them. One of them mm-hmm. is euthanasia. Now, mm-hmm. uh, Vladimir Putin also said that uh, about when it mentioned ge- um, genocide, uh, mm-hmm. that's why they invaded Ukraine because Ukraine was wanting to become a Western country and was being used as a springboard to infiltrate uh, Russia with um, the cultural aggression of the West, which is exactly what it is. You know, we've got homosexuality once banned in every country in the world, same as euthanasia, mm-hmm. uh, which to you know comes down to genocide. Um, and and I, I and this this is the thing is that. Hitler used uh, euthanasia, euthanasia laws. Now the um, politicians in Australia are changing the law step by step, do one thing at a time, exactly the same as Hitler did. Uh, now, w- what happened was that in um, 2017, when the euthanasia bill was on the table in the Parliament of Victoria, I wrote letters to every member of parliament uh, objecting about this euthanasia bill, pointing out that my life was in danger, and I listed a category of people whose 
lives would be vulnerable to these euthanasia laws. Now, Parliament agreed, but refused to make laws to protect the vulnerable. So what I did, I investigated uh, and I, I found, discovered about all what is happening in European countries, all these euthanasia laws are being brought into um, to uh, Western countries in Europe. Uh, and there's a, and in the um, what they found is that there were thousands of people have been without their knowledge or permission where doctors have just terminated their lives because they've got a terminal illness. So it wasn't the person asking to be killed. It was the doctor who made that decision. It was a cure once a person dies. You know, the file is closed. Now, the thing is that in, in the mid-1990s, the federal parliament in Australia uh, pub published this evidence that um, regulations and procedures in euthanasia laws are quite dangerous, that they, they can't be enforced. And the thing is that what the uh, euthanasia premier of Victoria, his name was Dan Andrews, he claimed that um, regulations and correct procedures work. Well, they don't work. And this was, uh, Federal Parliament had already published this. So that what I did was I investigated it. I wrote uh, a manuscript in 2018. Then what happened to me in 2020, in late 2020, I had a difficulty with my son. So I tried to go home to my house in South Australia. It's unoccupied. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was when we had this coronavirus pandemic. The borders were closed. But because, um, you know, I... I own my own house there, I pay rates, um, you know, I should, would have been able to go. But what happened to me, I was put in a mental hospital uh, mm -hmm. because I tried to go home. Now, a lot of the older people in there too, I um, was what, seven, in, in my late 70s then, or my early 70s. Mm -hmm. um, what happened was uh, every day... Daisy, Daisy back up a little. They, they, they put you in a mental hospital because you tried to go home during the pandemic. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Wow, now, that's the crazy. That I was legally entitled to go home because mm -hmm. I was in um, Victoria and I, in, under Centrelink because I'm on the invalid pension, or, um, mm -hmm. pension there. Uh, I was no fixed address. I own my own home in South Australia, pay my rates, but the borders were closed and I tried to find out, well, uh, you know, well, legally I should be able to go home, uh, which was quite quite correct. But I mean, in those days, no one knew. The thing was, the borders were closed. That's all people knew. And the thing mm. is that uh, psychiatrists, um, they when, look. When I was in there, I asked them, "Why am I here?" And they said it was because I wrote the book, Matriarch and World War Three. Um, mm -hmm. And anyway. The thing was that I was able to witness what was going on, and this was the aged, uh, the McAllister Ward of the Trobe Hospital in Victoria, the aged mental hospital. Mm -hmm. I was asked every day, like everybody else, do you want to commit suicide? Now, mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, of course, I said no. One lady there told me she was going to say yes, and I tried to explain to her that's dangerous. 
Now, mm-hmm. what, what happened was I observed from my room and it wasn't once, but the last time was there were three people screaming four no's, no, 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 no. They were, uh, in, because they said yes, because the people there thought that the question was how do you feel? Uh, mm-hmm. Because under parliamentary legislation, the, mm-hmm. the nurses are not allowed to tell the patients uh, that this question is about the euthanasia laws. Wow. Yes, they are. Because mm-hmm. nobody knew they were about euthanasia laws. But anyway, mm-hmm. but that night there were three people murdered um, oh with a lethal God. injection, whereas in Europe they have to drink their own poison, but that's not the case in Victoria. And uh, now the thing was that the nurses and psychiatrists, which were murdering Australians, they're from third world countries, most of them black. Uh, not, mm-hmm. um, you yeah, know, that is, is what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is that I objected to this euthanasia question after that, and I explained that I had written these uh, uh, letters of objection about the euthanasia bill in 2017. And because I had done that, I was released from that mental hospital for no other reason, just because I had written those letters in 2017. Now, when I investigated, what I found was that uh, there was the meaning of of a conscientious objection was not written in the act. So that's why that when people were being murdered at that time, their four no's, always four no's, uh, they quite were able to ignore them. But also because psychiatrists say that when people who want to murder themselves can't do it at the last minute and they need help. That's why they can be ignored. Now the point is that in my euthanasia book, which I explained from the metaphysical perspective, uh, I was able to ex- explain that there is a point within us, uh, like a spiritual point within us, which is like the connection to, uh, or like a religious connection to the spirit, and that it always, uh, whenever we try to uh, commit suicide or something like that, begs us to do it. There is there's a point within us, and this is from and can only be understood from a metaphysical perspective, that uh, it, it, it tries to make get us to do good, to do right. Uh, it's like a co- connection to divinity or to the mm-hmm. God phenomena. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but see, uh, these things are not understood at university. Academics don't understand these things. It's only if you study in secret societies and Mm-hmm. Study these things that you know you can understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that um, anyway. So uh, that is because you mentioned earlier the method. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Yeah. No, no, no. What was uh, the question? Yeah, because because you mentioned earlier that you can only understand this. You are trying to explain this from the metaphysical side, right? That that's what I did in my book. I was able to yes. explain it probably yeah. in better words. That's quite a story, Daisy. Religion, yes. mm-hmm. religion only has belief; it has nothing more. Religion can't yep. explain why. Uh, I mean, 
it used to be that in every country in the world, euthanasia was banned, just like homosexuality was banned in every country in the world. But the point is that in, in the olden days, when people did not die from drugs, there was always this tra- uh, transitional period just before death where people would see their relatives and their friends who had died previously. And this was quite common, and that's one of the reasons that in the olden days people were aware that life continues in some form after death. But then we also have telepathy. Uh, it's mm-hmm. only it's, we have astral projection, which I can do, which I did explain in my book as well. But there are um, there are methods, and there are there is evidence that life does continue in some form after the death of the physical body. But see, this is not understood in academia. Professionals don't understand this, and the point is that uh, parliaments. Uh, these days, they take advice and they do what the professionals tell them to do. Whereas in a democracy, Parliament is supposed to uh, do what the people want, you know. But that's exactly. not the way it is anymore. That's, that they, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so so we don't have democracy. Democracy's like gone out the window. Uh, Did you mention in the book professionals? that the opinions of professionals, yes. doctors of medicine and academics can sway the government because they have a power assumed to be in the best interest of the people. When a politician with the gift of the gab obtains leadership in a democratic representative country, he or she can act like a dictator. The media is so powerful that it can endorse a personal agenda as though the people approve of some minority or controversial argument, right? So the worms in, in, in proposed legislation can therefore be covered up in a parliament and in the media. That's, that's, uh, that, that's quite a statement, provocative to say the least. Aren't you concerned about, you know, uh, um, your your safety or the controversy that will bring with this book is it's, it's very controversial to say the least okay. because you're yeah uh, yeah yeah it was also based on fact this is what is actually happening uh, uh-huh. i mean i mean i've given some examples even 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 recently uh the latest example is that um like the government is bringing in 9000 nurses from third world countries in, into Australia because there's a shortage of nurses. But the thing is that uh, there were thousands of nurses who were forced to resign to, because they refused to get the injection, that's the um, vaccination for the coronavirus, uh, because of the uh, they're not safe because of the thousands of people who end up in hospital or die because they get the injection. So we've got a situation where there's thousands of nurses and even some doctors who want to go back to work and can't go back to work because they, they're not allowed to go to work with because they haven't been vaccinated. Uh, and this is completely covered up. So here the government is saying that um, oh, there's a short, shortage of nurses, and they're going to bring these nurses in from other countries. But they over. But the fact is that there are plenty of nurses who want to go back to work, Australian nurses, 
you know, and this is completely covered up. But that mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. actually propaganda. It's the word to use. This mm-hmm. is being used, and so so what I'm saying is all about propaganda, and mm-hmm. it's getting worse in this it's, country. Um, yeah, and, and uh, so, so uh, there's more than one example, you know. Exactly. Give 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 us some more examples, because you you mentioned also on the book that in 1996, 1997, the federal parliament of Australia provided evidence from euthanasia countries in Europe that reg- that regulations and procedures endorsed as safeguards in euthanasia laws do not work. So the states ignored that evidence as though it did not exist. Opposing arguments were also ignored as unprofessionals. The people were not consulted. The euthanasia premier of Victoria used compassion and emotion as a political tool to endorse the world euthanasia movement's agenda in parliament itself. So you mentioned that you know it's propaganda after all, right? Other states in Australia are copying Victoria's euthanasia end of life death laws. It's it's uh, the the one that you mentioned earlier. Um, they were asking people from the mental facility, the patients who wants to kill themselves. And if somebody would say yes, then they will basically assist the mercy killing or the euthanasia of that person, where in fact, where in fact you mentioned that, you, you are correct, because basically when you, when, when that's, a, that's a, you know, I, I, I have been into some therapies before, you know, my therapist would always ask me, was there any time that you tried of taking away your life? So that's the same question, right? That's the same question that, but yes, it's not, yes. it's not, it is not, um, what do you call this? It's not a uh, somewhat like of a gate pass. It's somewhat like a, uh, uh, an approval to take someone else's life. You are just basically validating the feelings of that particular or the state of that emotion of that particular person. Am I right, Daisy? That's right, yeah. But see, the, uh, the question was all about the euthanasia laws. Uh, it wasn't about how do you feel about your emotions. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and and, in, and see, what happened when, when this um, uh, bill was passed in Parliament was there was no public debate. What they mm-hmm. had were opinion polls. And, and they'd say, what politicians, because they had a parliamentary vote, although um, although the people were able to... Uh, if they wanted to put in, let their politicians know whether they agreed or didn't agree, and there was some type of a, a vote at the time, but they had a parliamentary vote. And in a parliamentary vote, it's just the members of parliament who actually vote. Now, the thing is that uh, the member of parliament must vote according to what organisation put him into parliament. I mean, uh, there, in Parliament itself, there are different, lots of different factions, and uh, and a politician cannot just vote the way he wants to vote. He's got to vote away according to the way his organisation, you know, tells him is to vote. So, so that the the outcome of a parliamentary vote is known before the actual vote is taken in Parliament. And it's actually, but what happened was instead of having uh, uh, a public debate about euthanasia, they only had opinion polls. But opinion polls exactly. was put across like as if it was a 
mm-hmm. a, deba- a debate amongst the people. It wasn't. Um, now, now, what is ha- happening at the present time is that they are now what the Parliament of Victoria are trying to make laws. They're trying to um, make laws whereby hospitals that refuse to murder their patients under the euthanasia laws will be forced to do that. I mean, you, yeah, I mean um, that is how ridiculous the thing is going. But that is well, so. The the the, the hospital will be forced to do the euthanasia, yes, even though that, that the patient. Wow. They have a bill bill in there now where it's where they that's what they're trying to do. Now see what they the thing was that um in Hitler's day, um he was able to um get the money to build up his army by two ways. Of course he euthanized the people who were ill, the people with disabilities, um, people sick and that, so that the health costs were reduced to nothing because then there were no clients. And what happened was that then the people who um, had a job like looking after um, the nurse, the nurses looking after the people who were sick and ill and that, they needed a job uh, and they were then able to go be employed in the military. So this is mm-hmm. the method that Hitler used to build up his army. Now, the mm-hmm. thing is that at that time, Russia... Um, admits that they were aware of what was going on and they ignored it. Now, they've, they've also, at the present time, or this, earlier this year, were aware that the, the euthanasia was being practised in Western countries uh, and they referred to, they knew about um, Ukraine and uh, and they called it genocide. I mean, it is genocide. Mm-hmm. I mean... When we're we're talking we're talking about not just a small number of people, we're talking about huge numbers of people. And I mm-hmm. mean, euthanasia laws is going to the number of people that will be murdered under euthanasia laws will mm-hmm. exceed the number of people who are killed in the Holocaust. Uh, I mean, in time, you know, that's a matter of of fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we have a very something very serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, genocide. definitely. Uh, Daisy, yeah. let me ask you. Let me ask you the question. Not not to be critical, and I believe you with these facts that you presented, because um, you, you you did mention that you 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 uh, you have been against the euthanasia law in Victoria, right? You also mentioned yes. that um, Vladimir Putin, the reason why he is he tried or he is still trying to invade Ukraine because Ukraine is turning out to be uh, wanting to be a Western country for some reason, right? The, yes, here's my yes. question, Victoria. Do you think that, I mean, you've, you've, been, uh, you've been opposing the euthanasia law. Uh, you did mention that you somehow agree with, with uh, Vladimir Putin. Um does does the end justify the means? That's my question. Because um, uh, is invading one country, killing dozens of innocent lives, justifiable? I, I, I just find contradicting opinions with you favoring, I mean, countering, going against euthanasia law. But 
somehow giving a nod to what you know the president of Russia is doing to Ukraine. Okay, I'll answer it this way. The United Nations found that like, the people in Ukraine have the right to live according to their own culture. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. but what the what the United Nations didn't find was that the people in Russia also have the right to be protected from the cultural aggression of the West. What I'm saying is that this mm-hmm. euthanasia and, the home, and also homosexuality, which has been forced on the people like in our country, that, that, that Vladimir Putin used the terms cultural aggression, which is, explains it all, but we're, these are being forced on us. And he's saying that the people in Russia have the right to be protected from these, the cultural ingre- aggression of the West. And the thing is that the eastern part of Ukraine that was trying to become a Western country uh, and trying to uh, would therefore join this NATO uh, would mm-hmm. would if they were able to do that they would end up with a, um, a um, an American military base close to the borders mm-hmm. of Russia. Russia. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. the United States won't won't tolerate like a Russian military based close to America, you know, it's just the same way. Um, so, but the thing is that, as I said, the United Nations failed. It's failed in many respects because it did not say that uh, the Russian people have a right to be protected from the cultural aggression from the West and that Ukraine was being used as a springboard to infiltrate Russia with this cultural aggression. So what, see, the point is to, that in the olden days, a country could be conquered by military means. But, mm. not, but today, today, a country can be conquered when its economy collapses, which is what has happened with this coronavirus. Yeah. You know, we're in debt for thousands of dollars, which is allowing this capitalist to take control of the country, you know, when the country comes goes into debt. Um, so, so when when it comes to um, the point is that the we're only told a half truth. Um, mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. politicians are only like in in our country and other Western countries, um, only tell tell the people a half truth. I'm in agreement with. Um, Vladimir Putin, when he says that the politicians, uh, the Nazis have gained power within um, Western countries. Um, This is something which was known thousands of years ago, um, where I came across across that, where um, the thing is that if if a, a country which is trying to conquer another country, which is what Nazi Germany was trying to do, trying to conquer the world, take over control of the world, when mm-hmm. they find they can't do that through military means, what they then do, and this is what the Nazis in Germany did, they changed their military strategies to peaceful ones, that they were going to uh, conquer the country through peaceful means, and they did that through their own church, you know, through their own religious organisations, they were able to build up and to infiltrate Western countries with these with 
as Nazis. And as I said, because I'd been lassoed into this neo-Nazi club in Melbourne, and and because of that, I was able to spend quite a lot of time discussing, you know, what was this with them. Uh, I was aware that um, they get their directives from the Pope. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I can understand, you know, I can be in agreement with um, with Vladimir Putin because uh, I understand these things and how they did it. Mm-hmm. And I had witnessed prior to any of this happening that, that our laws are being changed to Western, to fascist laws. Uh, and uh, this is what had been happening in our country. Fascist laws like you must do this, you must do that. The, we don't, whereas the people don't have a right to a say. Uh, mm. You know, that is, is, is the fascist laws. And this is what had been happening in Australia prior to um, uh, any, anything at all, um, mm. prior to this euthanasia. And, mm. um, and I, what I'm saying is that World War Three is a collection of civil wars all around the world. Mm. And um, and that's been in predictions, you know. That has been stated. When do you think that, that will happen? I mean, happened. when when do you think is what what timeline are we looking at for that particular event? Look, look if you were to ask, older people, well, in, what's happening in in Australia is like uh, we've had a massive look in the 1970s when I was childbearing age. Um, We were told to reduce population growth. When I went to university, uh, about millions of dollars the government spent educating the people to reduce population growth. Australia did that. But at the time, uh, the Muslim Islamic countries uh, and the Roman Catholic Church refused to reduce population growth. Now, what's happening now is that Uh, with this mass immigration uh, from Islamic countries, from these countries that refuse to uh, reduce population growth coming to this country, they are deliberately overpopulating because, and that is a, 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 an Islamic strategy. Um, the quick, it's, a, it's an ex, Islamic military strategy to conquer a country by uh, in, Increasing then the, their votes because uh, the number of votes you know wins elections uh, and that is what that they are actually doing. Now, I actually tried to join a particular uh, fraternal organisation, a secret society, just not too long ago, and uh, and the point is that I was first accepted. But I had to cancel that because when the initiation came, my family had to have something I had to do for them. When I applied the second time, I was not accepted because I revealed the military strategies of Islam in my Matriarch and World War Three book. Um, wow. And the thing is that these one of the main strategies are um, refugee status. And this increase, increasing their population, and I found that goes back to the year 1099. Uh, that was when, uh, in what in the year 1096, the hate 
speeches of the Pope and, and where they, uh, they, the Crusades invaded um, Jerusalem and mm-hmm. um, sacked Jerusalem. But the, the Copt there, the, the, the night before Jerusalem was sacked, the Copt was like an administrative person, but all the religions got together and and he and what they decided to do was that some people would fight to the death while the others fled to all parts of the world and told their story to all parts of the world. So that the strategies of Islam of um, increasing population growth um, and refugee status go back to the year 1099. So, you know, I actually stated that in my book. You know, that's a matter of fact. Um, and, and that's the military strategies of Islam. But the correct terminology is the strategies of military Islam. Because the members of parliament are claiming, oh, it's only these military, these, these um, fanatical type of Islamic countries uh, which do this. That the, the peaceful Muslims uh, don't, don't have these strategies. Well, I'm saying that's mm. not correct. The, the strategies of Islam for world takeover purposes is refugee status and increasing their numbers. And the point is mm. that in, in a democratic country, we have the numbers win the vote at election times. Uh, the way a country can conquer another country is by increasing their numbers. And that's what's happening. Um, and, and the point is that at the present time, we had this coronavirus and all these laws against the people, forcing people to have these injections, which don't work anyway, the government's put Australia in a trillion-dollar debt uh, because mm-hmm. of this, because there wasn't enough hospital beds. And, I mean, in the 1970s, when I was in, um, having children at that time, the government spent millions of dollars educating the people to reduce population growth because there weren't enough hospital beds, there weren't enough schools, uh, and, and we actually did this. And but see that these points are not considered. Uh, politicians completely ignore these facts, mm. and and we've got a situation where uh, Islam is increasing, the number of Muslims in the world is increasing. That's because of the military strategies of Islam, mm. whereas the rest of the world is reducing population growth. Because the uh, United Nations is still saying there's too many people in the world. Uh, not enough food, not enough houses, uh, reduced population growth. and uh, But the Muslim countries are not doing that. So what they do is, because they've got too many people, they've got not, not enough food, and not enough houses, they uh, send their excess population to host countries like Australia. Uh, and... Mm-hmm. and um, this is what's happened, and there was a world crisis even in Europe. It's got that way now that uh, it's become, people people are becoming aware, even the media is aware that there is a big problem in the world because of all these refugees. Um, you know, what do you and, think? And, and, what do you think? Does the government of Australia 
needs to do because I, I i i totally get your point okay there was an incident of um uh i think i, I forgot what the what what the Euro, that the european country was they have opened their country to to um to to uh, evacuees of uh of a particular i forgot what what the incident was but there was since since then okay there were a lot of uh there were a lot of uh uh um immigrants and there were also multiple events of isis attacks okay um with i'm not saying that it's you know the 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 muslim or the islam religion has something to do with you know it, it has a connection to it but it seems like it's pointing towards that direction does that make sense so what do you think that yeah, the, well, that the this country is happening in in yeah this mm -hmm. is no, i think poland is one of them but these yeah. are countries in europe who are being um infiltrated with even uh evacuees from africa and other muslim countries and mm -hmm. and they're coming into these countries trying to force uh their their religious uh beliefs mm -hmm. on to the other people now what i found like uh George Bush said that um, he spoke about uh, in Islam uh, how the women are suppressed. Well, I mm -hmm. found through my own personal self, uh, because I knew about 9-11 before it happened, uh, I then tried, I started to learn Arabic, so I was invited to the mosque. And this is how I mm -hmm. learned through my own experience, you know, mm -hmm. what was going on. But I observed and found that the men are also suppressed in Islam, not just the women. Now, mm -hmm. Vladimir Putin, a while back, he, he spoke about the way they bow down, their heads down. Um, mm -hmm. It's very primitive. Well, and I thought about that. Now, well, he is quite correct. It's very primitive. See, what they do in Islam, when they bow down, they're bowing down to the powers that be. Uh, and, and that, they say to a god, but it's to the powers that be, they're bowing down. Now, what I found was in the Quran, in the first uh, sections of the Quran, um, that um, the thing was that the way in the Quran, the way is, that word is from the occult, uh, the, the beings or whatever they are, including the angels from the, the occult, the way told the angels that to serve humans, to bow down to humans. But in the Quran, there's nowhere where humans are supposed to bow down. It's the angels that were supposed to bow down, which means the angels are supposed to serve humans. So mm -hmm. the point is that um, women in Islam, but also I found the men, cannot be liberated unless evidence can be brought out from the Quran that will allow them to be liberated. Well, this is what I found, that they're actually bowing down in this primitive way, you know, according to Putin. Um, but, but it was the angels that are supposed to bow down to humans, not humans, and we're never told anywhere exactly. in the Quran mm -hmm. that they have to bow down. Um, and, I mean, the point is that because we've had this holy war, uh, because, I mean, Islam is, uh, well, they're attacking, criticizing, attacking um, I mean, Western countries, 
Osama bin Laden, all um, from him, you know, and his organization, you know, attacking, killing, murdering. Because in the Quran, um, if, if a Muslim wants to get into heaven and an opportunity comes up for him to or her to murder, to kill uh, a non-believer, if he doesn't do that, he hasn't got a hope of getting through the pearly gates into heaven. And this is in the Quran. I mean, mm-hmm. when I wrote my book, Matriarch and World War Three, I used quotes from the Quran. So I've quoted mm-hmm. these things. And the point is that uh, we have like, we're supposed freedom of religion in Australia. But the thing mm-hmm. is that when the Constitution was written in Australia, when the Constitution was written in other Western countries, that religion didn't pose a threat on the ordinary person. But today it does. Because in Islam, right now, right at the present time, uh, children are being taught from the, the Muslim, a woman in Islam has a duty to overproduce children and also to program them to be holy warriors of Islam, which are heathen. Mm. Which means they have to teach these children to murder Australians who are not Muslims. This is happening in our country. But because we have this freedom of religion, um, they get away with it. Uh, And the churches are not pointing out, hey, this is dangerous. It never used to be that way. It's only now that we have such a large number of Muslims in the country uh, that... um, yeah, this has become very dangerous. I mean, even recently in the last few days, I was on television, but um, ch- children as young as 12 years old are being uh, programmed or being encouraged to uh, be like holy warriors of Islam. That the, the, the extremists are like they're chatting up these these children in primary schools and high school, even as young as 12 years old. Uh, this, I mean, they use better words, I suppose, when they explained it, but this is happening at the present time. I mean, the coronavirus, I say the coronavirus is just an intermediate between the holy war and the next war. Uh, and the point is that the, um, the, the strategies of Islam um, you know, t- that they must murder uh, non-Muslims, it still exists, it's still there. Um, and it, even this uh, organisation, when I tried to join, uh, there were a lot of Muslims in that organisation. That's why I wasn't accepted the second time, because I I disclosed the military strategies of Islam in my book. So we've got a situation today where even school children um, are being um, chatted up, taught and to join, uh, become uh, Muslims and to the extreme Muslims. Uh, so we've got this civil war uh, happening in our country just under our noses and, uh, and the government is just allowing it. But it's very serious. Um, it, it's very serious what is going going on that um, <clears throat> that, that this um, freedom of religion uh, 
I mean, the Parliament needs to have a second look at it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that uh, there should be laws made whereby mm-hmm. uh, our religion can't be teaching its followers that they must murder uh, other people who are not of their religion. I mean, exactly. The exactly. Parliament are not doing that. Mm. As we conclude this interview, Daisy, uh, again, the, titles of the, the title of the book is uh, Euthanasia Rebutted. Um, it, uh, uh, my, my, I, th- I think my parting question here is that what do you think could, uh, what are the things that needs to be amended in the euthanasia law that uh, a regular you know, citizen like you uh, will, will, will be in favor Uh, because basically, it's a euthanasia loss. They say it's a, a, a it's it's a, a the legislation basically would. Uh, this is about giving people who are suffering intolerably from incurable disease a voluntary um, a voluntary compassionate choice. That's what they're they're, they're terming it as. So what do you, what do you think are the are the things that needs well, to be amended? Uh, the thing is that. that Um, in in Europe, uh, mm-hmm. a person has to really uh, appeal very strongly to be able okay. to allow euthanasia themselves. Mm-hmm. But they have to drink their own poison. Uh, okay. in, not not being injected with a lethal injection by nurses, but they have mm-hmm. to drink their own poison. That's the way it's going on in. That's the way it is legally in European countries. What's actually happening is the doctors have medicine, even without the knowledge of injecting the, um, the terminally ill person uh, with, you know, a lethal injection to murder them that way. That's what's happening. But under the laws, uh, the person must drink their own poison. Now there are particular I, I provided evidence in my book, but even that is questionable. Where I gave examples of people who have called out uh, after after they've drank the poison, and then they've called out uh, evidence that they were not willing in the first place to do that. Now, what I'm saying is that um, I I really uh, don't agree with that. I mean, if a person wants to mm. commit suicide, a person can do that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, today we have we have drugs. My brother. Who had uh, cancer and never knew till just before, until uh, about a year before he died. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to a hospice, which is a, a special hospital. If you go mm-hmm. there, you don't come out. It's a hospital. You go there to die, so that you don't have to die from pain. So we already mm-hmm. have hospitals mm-hmm. in this country and mm-hmm. other Western countries where people mm-hmm. who are terminally ill. Can go to that hospital. They they're giving whatever tablets they need to re, reduce the the pain, so they do not die with all this pain. Uh, the thing is that the the euthanasia premier of Victoria, Dan Andrews, completely ignored that in Australia and in Victoria we have hospices, which are mm. hospitals where someone can go to to die without mm. pain. We already mm-hmm. have this. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. never any need for a euthanasia law uh, because a person can die without pain. Mm-hmm. On that note, 
Daisy, this has been a very insightful conversation. I find you as an author a very intelligent, very insightful one. Uh, you stay, you, you stand on your ground with these facts, and I applaud you for doing that. Once again, the title of the book uh, for our potential book buyers and listeners to this podcast: Euthanasia Rebutted: No Right to Life in Australia. Daisy, thank you so much for your time. You take care now, okay? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Have a great one. I'll talk to you soon. Good. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.